I'm Ray Hudson, and you are, I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project, and go away, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Driven Shot Podcast. Uh, we are back. We took a, uh, a week's break uh, in solidarity with uh, the other companies and, and clubs around the world that were standing against online abuse. Um, but we are now back, and uh, we hope you've missed us. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're back. We're going to talk about a few things uh, about Femini uh, and their incredible performance last night. We're going to talk about uh, Barca B as well. We played yesterday. We're going to talk about a little bit about the first team and also a little bit about the uh, the next season and what's ahead. Uh, but first, Joab, how are you doing? It's been a little while. Um, yeah, as you said, we took a break uh, in solidarity, and also last week we had some te- technical difficulties. So yeah, it's been two weeks yeah. without this podcast. It has been a little bit weird having like <laughs> this mini break, but yeah, awesome <laughs> to be back. Yeah, it's it's really nice to be back, and I mean, I I hope that we'll see a lot of interaction in the chat today. I mean, of course, always remember that you can, and you are. Uh, well, we encourage you to always get your questions and your opinions in the live chat. Is we will go through them and we will discuss them, and we'll talk about them as this chat goes on. So um, if you have anything to say, now is the time to say it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as uh, Joao mentioned last week, we did have some technical difficulties, but uh, you fixed those now, right? Yep, totally fixed. No problem now. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Um, because yeah, the, the issue essentially was that we, uh, well, I couldn't hear Joao, so if I can't hear him, you're not going to be able to hear him. So that's just not going to work. No, no good quality podcast right there. Yeah, we, we fiddled around with it for like, what, half an hour? Yeah. No, and, and, I don't care, we'll just look at it later. Yeah, at some point we were just like, okay, we're half an hour in and nobody's going to be listening to us right now, so we'll just uh, just like postpone for next week. Yeah, um, but yeah, luckily we are back uh, and we are here. And uh, yeah, it feels good to be back, man. Um, yeah, what have you been up to for the past two weeks like on with regards to everything? Um, well... I was just like uh, remembering, looking back at all the news that we haven't covered in like Barcelona in the past few weeks. Yeah. I mean, we had like the whole uh, well, La Liga race still being active, well, for Barcelona to just like being over. We had like the possible signing of Cunaguero as well. Um, oh yeah. Depay also coming very uh, close. Uh, Barca B getting into a playoff uh, situation. Barca Femini also getting into uh, the final and obviously winning the Champions League. First time in in the history of the club, and yeah. um, and now also well I don't know so many situations in the club that I feel like okay we have so much to talk about and also I mean yeah. let's hope that the chat also gives us like the topics that they want us to hear about or want to hear about but I mean yeah, yeah. two weeks is a long time for Barcelona and the news especially yeah I mean it's been uh, there's been a lot there's been a lot to cover and you know it's just a lot to to take in, you know, because the first, I mean, even just yesterday, Barca B played first, and then you had Barca V Celta, and you could, you know, you could just catch a, a snack break, and then Barca Femini had their final in Gothenburg. Yep. Um, and I mean, I was I was commentating on those, uh, both those games on, um, on uh, what's it called, on Barca's official Twitter, uh, Twitch channel, and you were commentating on them, I believe, here too. Yep. Um, on on Blogonogram TV. And so there's just been a lot going on in Barcelona. And I mean, yes, I know a lot of people are disappointed 
when it comes to Barca v Celta yesterday. Um, because I know the thing is as well is I know in a lot of people in a lot of people's eyes, Celta is like, oh man, they're a small team. What the? How do you lose to that team? But they're not a small team. They're they're in the top end of the table. They have bounced back from what's been a very turbulent period for them. And I know a lot of people don't like him, right? But Denis Suarez has been one of the main reasons for why Celta have been as good as they have. Bryce Mendes recently signed a new contract. He's been in, he's been in really good form for them. Fran Beltran has been holding down that mid, uh, defensive midfielder spot. And Santimina has is rejuvenated again. Iago Aspas, influential as always. Being Iago Aspas. <laughs> he's Iago Aspas, right? So they, they have a very strong team, and I don't think people give them enough credit for that. So, yes, Barca lost yesterday, and yes, that means that the league mathematically is over in terms of the title, but Barca can still get second place depending on Real Madrid's results and Atleti's results. But as things stand, it does seem like Atleti are going to run away, run away with it, and quite frankly, I would rather see Atleti win it than Real Madrid. So yep. that, that works for me. Also, I, I mean, I, I've... I love Luis Suarez, so if he wins it, then yeah, I, I'm gonna be happy for him. And I think the lesser evil wins. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's been um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot, and I think I think I mean, you might as well get the negative stuff out of the way. Barca v Celta. Um, what do you think of the game? How do you think? Like, what do you think of of everything that happened in that game? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think it's coming like sort of uh, something that you expect in the last few games. I was thinking about it like before the, uh, before we even began the podcast. I was like, okay, at a certain point of the, of the league uh, run and all that, it seemed as if Ronald Koeman actually turned around the team and the comebacks were being made by Barcelona and not on Barcelona. So I remember the, the match against Granada, I think, was like the peak of that situation, which Barcelona could come back from a pretty mm-hmm. uh, bad result. But now it seemed like in the past few games in the Liga, it seemed that it like came back to haunt them because how many uh, games were there? Like two matches in which they were leading at halftime and then they simply just let the lead go, either tying with, um, what was it, with uh, Levante? Levante was and, a 3-3, yeah. Yep, and well, yesterday losing against Celta. So I don't know. I think it's something that probably um, either Ronald Coman doesn't really have good management of, um, of a lead or just the players don't really want, don't really like have that uh, energy to keep up now uh, in these final few games. So I mean, it seemed like something that it became inevitable in, inevitable yesterday because they were playing really well at, in the first few minutes of the match, and they seemed to be um, in good situation to even go two three uh, nil before the halftime. But then the second half uh, starts, and one shot, one goal, as it has been in the past few games. And um, and after that, it was just like Barcelona was completely, um, um, I don't know, off, off balance. Then I think Ronald Koeman went back to the 4-3-3 and once again unbalanced the whole team. And then it was just like a goal in which nobody expected to happen. I think not even Santi Mina expected uh, the ball to just uh, fall to his feet. But I don't know. It, it seemed like something that either a team was too tired and uh, fatigued to actually um, work it out. Or Ronald Koeman doesn't really have a good management of a lead. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to say. I mean, because, again, I think Barca played really well, everything considered, especially in the first half. I think I think Barca had the uh, had control of the game and, and definitely looked like the team that was going to win. 
Um, it's it's one of those things where it's you know, I think I think regardless of whether Barca do manage to get a second place spot or whether they win the league or not, I still think this season has been very very good overall. Because you got to remember as well, Barca have had a lot of injuries. Ansu Fati has been injured. Coutinho has been injured on and off. PK. Um, PK. Araujo has also had some injuries. Mingetha had to go play with Barca B, which we'll talk about too. Um, Busquets, you know, his facial injury. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think also De Young has had an injury at some point throughout the season, didn't he? Yep, and well, Pedri just being played like nonstop. <laughs> yeah, Dest also had an injury. Uh, Brathwaite as well. Um, you know, all over the pitch. All over the pitch, and it's it's not easy. Dembele is slowly getting back into form, and I know a lot of people are going to say, "Oh man, it's over, it's over." It's like, no, he's he's done well. He's done. I mean, when he was on the pitch yesterday, which for me, I think, I think maybe he should have stayed on. Because of how the game was developing, I think once you take him off, especially if you go back to a 4-3-3, you kind of lose a bit of the edge that Dembele adds. Because, yes, Serginio Dest is good one-on-one, but Dembele seemed to have had, uh, I believe it was um, Aaron Martin, he had him on lock. He knew exactly how to get past him. And once you figure out that formula, it's easy enough to reuse it and alter it a bit. Whereas for Dest, he had to figure out, okay, how do I get past this guy? And exactly what do I do? Because I can't push up too much because I have to defend. Whereas maybe for Dembele, his defensive duties weren't as prominent. So he could get away with not striking back as much as Death had to. So that's also one of the things where I'm thinking maybe Dembele should have stayed on. Um, also due to the lack of, of, I would say, more creative options on the pitch, uh, on the bench. I mean, Trincao is a creative player and I do like him. But I think this game, maybe Dembele would have been the right man to stay on for 90 minutes. And then if you are going to take anyone off, um, you know, Pedri was taken off, but then maybe Axe, uh, I mean, and Elijah or Busquets for just to keep Dembele on and then maybe yep. swap for Dest that way. Um, but I mean, again, I, I know a lot of people are very disappointed with the result. I personally think that the season has been very good overall, and I think there still are positives to take away from this game against Celta because, I mean, Yes, Barca lost, but if you look at the changes that were created in the first half and the way they managed to keep Celta quiet, they managed to keep Denis Suarez, Beltran, and Bryce Mendes very, very quiet, um, which is not an easy thing to do because those three have been very active for Celta recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the rest of the team, I mean, Nolito didn't see too much of the ball in the first half. Aspas, sometimes you even forgot he was on the pitch. Yep. Right, Santimina was got that goal out of nowhere, and when you think about that, I mean, yeah, it's easy enough to say, "Oh, Barca just aren't playing well." No, they are playing well. You know, Santi's goal was very strange. It's a, dub- it's a dubious goal. Good finish, but I think what happened was, well, watching it on the replay, at least it seemed like Ter Stegen's line of vision was blocked by PK because PK was in the way, and maybe that's why Ter Stegen couldn't see where it was going. And by the time he saw it, it was too late. I don't know. That's that's my assessment of it. I might be absolutely wrong, but that's how I saw it. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's been a very good season. It's Again, it's, it is a transition season. I mean, we've yeah. seen a lot of youngsters in this team. Um, you know, we've had, just to mention a few, Serginio Dest, we've had Oscar Mingueza come through from La Masia, and Araujo as well. Uh, at first, we had Todibo too. Todibo was then 
sent to uh, he's in Benfica now, isn't he? No, he was in Benfica, then he came back to Barcelona, and then he went for Nice, where he's playing really good. Oh, right he's now. in Nice now. Too. Oh, yeah, you're right. I keep, yeah, I think it's because yeah. I got him confused with Madeleine Santos, who went to Nice, too. So I was yep. like, no, I don't think. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you had him as well. Uh, I've got Pedri, Elias is getting playing time. We saw Ricky Puj finally uh, get 45 yesterday, <laughs> uh, which I know a lot of people were happy to see. And I think he played I think he played well. Um and you know, I was talking, I was talking um, about Ricky with uh, with Dan Hilton, who I'm commentating with, who, who I was commentating with yesterday. Um, and I'll be on his podcast later today. Well, we'll, we'll record it later today. Um, we'll talk about Barca Femini and stuff too. But um, the point is, we're talking about Ricky Puig, and we're talking about how when you compare him to Pedri, Pedri is just well, maybe a step ahead in some, in a sense, in terms of the fact that. His positioning is a bit more um, considerate to what's around him. So if he sees that, like for Ricky, he might just push up. Ricky might just push up and try and press the striker or press the goalkeeper, sorry. And that's good, but he'll leave some space in behind him. And we were talking about this, and, and the conclusion was that, yes, he does leave some space in behind him, but the, the, the reason Pedri doesn't do that is not necessarily that Pedri is better at the awareness around him, but more the fact that Pedri has played more with the players around him. So if Pedri pushes up, he knows that Busquets is going to occupy this position, Dieng is going to occupy that side. For Ricky, he's coming in. He hasn't really played that much with these players aside from in training. And so where Pedri has a more natural sense of where these players are going to be, Ricky has to kind of figure that out on the fly. And it's not easy to do that when you're getting 45 minutes uh, pretty much one time in a season and then getting 10, 20 every third, fourth game, right? Um, yep. I mean, so overall, also, overall, I think I think Ricky did well yesterday. Yep. Also, um, I think that something that's really different is that Ricky is so explosive. I mean, he receives yeah. like the ball with a player uh, on his back and he somehow turns and just runs like a 10 meter dash, like super fast and yeah. then looks for an incredible pass. It's something that you really don't see Pedri do, possibly because he understands more the role then he needs to be like more of a, he receives a pass, he he plays it like one touch and all that. But Ricky really likes to have the ball in his feet and he likes to be that explosive player that uh, does something different for Barcelona in the midfield. And I would, like, I would love to see them play like together with uh, Busquets possibly because, I mean, right now the midfield is Busquets, De Jong and Pedri. That's basically mm. the midfield. But at some point it would be awesome to see uh, either Ricky substituting Busquets and Ricky De Jong playing in that position or being instead of Frankie to see how they actually play together because I really like uh, Ricky, how he came on, and he's so explosive and he's so aggressive. Even though yeah. he's, so, he's really, really small, he yeah, goes yeah. after the biggest players like with no fear whatsoever. <laughs> he goes to press them. And sometimes, as you said, he goes to press the goalkeeper when he isn't even the closest player to him. So yeah. that's something that really... Um, it's something different, I think, in the Barcelona midfield because uh, De Jong has had an amazing uh, season, but I think he's still more calm. He knows what he has to do. He knows what he can't do now. Yeah. <clears throat> and you won't see Busquets pressing the goalkeeper <laughs> anytime soon. So <laughs> I, I, I think it's awesome that Ricky uh, really does try and do something different yeah. and not just be like the copy of Pedri. So because yeah. he does bring like his, uh, his natural instinct, as you said, but also like his... Uh, like what his gut tells him to do. Just he, I think he just uh, thinks about it a second, like, okay, here I go. And they just go like running off behind the ball like a little kid. 
Yeah, and, and I mean that's one of the things where like it's 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 good to have that sort of X factor in a player, and I genuinely do believe that if he gets a chance in tandem with with whoever midfielders he would be most compatible with in that midfield, I think he could be really good for Barcelona. I think yeah. I definitely think he has a bright future uh, with the club, but I also think that obviously that depends on Coma and Schroeder and what they decide, um, and also how he fits in with the rest of the midfield. Um, well, yeah, also- I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. I will also. Uh, you have to remember that uh, he's like favored by Laporta, so he has like the presi- the presidential guard right now surrounding <laughs> him. Like he won't be leaving anytime soon the club. So that's also uh, really good to see that Laporta really does see the potential in him. And I mean, I, I hate the, like the comparison. So he's a new Xavi. He's a new Iniesta. But I do think like Laporta sees something in him, like remembering him of the good old days where he was a president before. And mm-hmm. he could see like he could see Ricky as an important part of the club in the future. That is, I mean, that is very possible. And instead, that explosiveness around him, that X factor, that edge that he has, is different from any other midfielder on the on in the roster. And I mean, I do hope that we see that taken advantage of. If if any, if not this season, then at least in the preseason. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, talking about the preseason, we've got a few players in ter- that are coming back from injury. Hopefully, Nacho Fati and Coutinho. Um, Dembele has slowly managed to not get injured every other game, which is great because yep. the medical staff has have paid a lot of attention to making sure that doesn't happen and making sure his, you know, muscles don't overheat too much and stuff like that. Um, so that's great, and I think the next season I think will be a very very interesting one. Um, of course, I know the biggest question for people, for people is whether or not Kuman is staying or leaving. I think that's something that we'll have to wait out and see. Um, I personally do see him staying. And I think he has done a good enough job to stay. I do think he, he's merited it. Um, I mean, if you really consider what he's done with this team, considering what has happened with the pandemic and also the players he's added, he's had it at his disposal despite all the injuries, I think he's done an excellent job. Yes, he hasn't won the league, but seriously, when we were in eighth place a couple of months ago, who in their right mind thought Barca would at least be challenging for the title? Nobody. Yep. Nobody thought that. Everyone thought, oh, we're lucky if we get Europa League or Champions League, right? <laughs> yeah, I do That's remember those comments. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people used to say that, right? And think about that. Put that in perspective. Don't say, oh, Barca lost to Celta, Barca drew to Levante. Those are good teams. That's why they're in La Liga. Yes, would Barca have drawn and lost against them seven years ago? Probably not. But that's also because Barca... Well, that's because Levante and Celta are not the Levante and Celta they used to be. They've improved a lot. And Celta are playing with a certain style of play that we saw yesterday, and they played well. Levante took the game by the grasp of its neck in the second half and did what they had to do. And Levante have always been an opponent, well, at least in recent years, that's troubled Barcelona. That's not new. But it's because people read names like Levante and Celta and um, Getafe and Granada and think, oh, these are small teams. They belong in the, in the Segunda, you know, which is just not true. Which no. is, It's just not true. I'm sorry. It's just not true. And these are teams look- that constantly challenge the top part of, of La Liga. And these are teams that always find themselves in the top 10 at least. And these if it does happen teams. that they go back to the second uh, division, they come back right uh, next year. So they don't even stay that long in La Segunda División. They come back just like bouncing back the next year. So, I mean, yeah, it, it does. they do have their merit because you can't also say that Barcelona has – well, they do have to win all those matches, but you can't also say that they're entitled to win those matches because the other day – um, whatever happens in the pitch is what defines uh, the score. And also, I mean, you can't say that Levante is a bad team 
And uh, you can say that Barcelona is an excellent team. Both teams can have good and bad days, as we said, uh, as we saw basically in the last few games. And also, I mean, I, I was thinking about is like, okay, so Ronald Coman right now is like, uh, everyone's talking about if he's going to uh, stay or if, he, if he's going to basically leave. And mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and also I was like, well, let's also take into consideration he was the, the manager that actually took up the risk and uh, the challenge of, of being at the head of Barcelona. Because if, if it had still been Kike Setien, everybody would have been asking for his head as well. Yeah. So it was a no-win situation unless you won basically the trouble for Barcelona that was that nobody ever thought that was going to happen. But it is something that can happen for the Barça Femini. So also that's really exciting for Barcelona to have the first um, team in history to have uh, both the women and the men to have, to win a treble. So that's really exciting for Barcelona's institution. Yeah, it is. It is. And and as you mentioned that, I think it's a very good segue to talk about Barça Femini. Um, because, yeah, of course, they won the Women's Champions League final uh, yesterday, the last night against Chelsea in Gothenburg. And it's worth mentioning, worth mentioning that Chelsea is one of the biggest teams in women's football right now. Yeah, but this they're leading uh, the Premier. Yeah, and this is a team that's conceded, what, 10 goals all season um, yeah. in the league? And they scored over 50. I mean, I believe that – I'm pretty sure their goal difference was like 59 in the league with really, really solid teams. Um, and – it's, I mean, the fact that Barca managed to keep really, really good talents in that Chelsea side, really, really good players, potential Ballon d'Or contenders, keep those as quiet as they did is a testament to what Luis Cortes has done with this team, and it shows how good of a team this is. And, yes, winning the final was the ultimate goal after the defeat in Lyon. Well, the defeat to Lyon, the 4-1 defeat in the, uh, in, the, in, this, in the final uh, in 2019. But... This, I mean, this is the new era in Barca Femini, for sure. Yep. Um, well, um, for those that haven't um, tuned in uh, later, well, normally on Mondays, that we have also the podcast in Spanish. Um, mm -hmm. For those that don't speak Spanish, you probably <laughs> aren't that interested. But um, yeah, I mean, we always talk about uh, how it's been a process for Barca Femini. It isn't something that just happened all of a sudden this season. It's been a process. And finally, the, uh, the whole process and Barcelona have also trusted Luis Cortes with the process. And finally, it's uh, given the results. But it's something that's been uh, work in the works for many years. They uh, they suffered a lot also, Barca Femini. But uh, this season, it just became uh, really obvious in La Liga uh, just how uh, far and above they went with uh, the team that they've constructed. And now, as well as you said, it was the ultimate goal was the Champions League. But uh, to win the Champions League like they did, and also to eliminate uh, PSG, that was also one of the biggest um, rivals, to go yeah. into the finals and the basically one of the favorites to also win the title. And then, as you said, just basically um, nullify the whole Chelsea team was also an amazing uh, milestone and an incredible, incredible thing for Barcelona as an institution, not just the Barca Femini team. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and I mean, again, as you said, it's, you're talking about a team that this is a historical win, you know. This is a not just the fact that we want to bounce back from the four-one loss to Lyon. This is a, a this is the you know the first Champions League trophy for the women in Barca's history, in the history of the club, right? And as you said, also it's also the first club to win a men and a women's Champions League, at least if you compare Barca to Chelsea, right? Yep. Um, so that in itself is just. Outright incredible. And I think 
when you look at how Barca played, I'm seeing some comments here. I will go through them as well. Um, it was a joy to watch. It was a joy to watch. The pressure on and off the ball, the way they circulated the ball, every pass was very intricate, very weighted. Um, and the attention to detail in that, in the style of play, I think was what was most impressive to me. Um, you see Ahmed uh, SM84 here saying that he thinks what Kuman did in 2021 was incredible. He deserves, he deserves a chance to start fresh next season. About what we were talking about earlier, and yes, I, I do agree. I, I I really do agree. I think he does deserve to get at least a transfer window to get yeah. his, his ideas in. Um, to have money yeah. to spend just basically to start. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and hopefully that way we will see the best version of uh, Ronald Koeman's uh, Barca. Um, and as far as Femini, I'm at SM84. Thank you very much for tuning in, by the way. If you're enjoying this, please do not forget to follow us. Drop a like, retweet, share, all that good stuff as it helps us uh, continue to grow and it helps us know what part of this uh, podcast you like. Uh, it says, the dominance we saw from Barca's women's team reminded me of Pep's dream team. They were a joy to watch. Yeah, I saw a lot of similarities being drawn yesterday um, with regards to Barca's, uh, well, Pep's team and then this team. And yeah, I mean, they played a. You had all. You had like as soon as they lost the ball, instant press as a unit. It's not just headless pressing. It's instant pressing as a unit for a couple of seconds, hoping to get the ball back. And if you don't get the ball back, just cut off the passing lanes and then eventually intercept, pass it around a bit, then go on. You know, just go on the attack. Um, so yeah, overall, really, really, really good stuff. And it was it was a joy to watch, man. I don't know what else to say, um, because it really was. Um, yep. And also, I mean, now they can focus on La Copa de la Reina, which is yeah. also uh, the cup that they have uh, pending. They did, yes. they did eliminate Sevilla uh, in the in the yeah. well, one of the first phases. So now they, I don't know who they're up against. I don't remember the the team, but um, well, they can face they can now face head on because, as we said in La Liga, they were dominant. They won with like five matches to go because of so many pending matches as well uh, because of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And they won with like a, a goal difference of 100 plus 100, and I don't know how many goals. So it's just like utter dominance of Barcelona against the whole other teams so of Femini. Yeah. But I mean, it was awesome to watch. It's awesome to see something like that in happening in uh, in the Barcelona institution. And now, uh, as you said, it's possibly the, the beginning of a new era for Barcelona. And it's something that we were commentating about in the other podcast. Like, okay, so now it's it's even more exciting to follow like Barca B and Barca Femini and the first team at the moment. But I mean, it's going to be awesome when uh, all three fronts are, um, are really at the top of the, well, the peak of their form. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a really interesting phase for Barcelona to see what Ronald Koeman can do next season, what the Barca Femini, if the Barca Femini can keep this up, let's hope that they can. And let's see how also uh, Barca B will compete in the new, uh, what's the name of the division? Um, I don't remember. Uh, I think that, uh, Nueva, sure. uh, Nueva, I don't remember, but um, it's like the third division, but it's a big, uh, a bigger quality and better quality than the one that we're competing in already. So yeah. um, it's an exciting moment for Barcelona right now in all transition period. Uh, possibly the Femini period has been more successful or has been is seeing the results at the moment. But mm-hmm. uh, let's hope they can continue that way for all three. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I mean, yeah, yes, Barca B did lose to Murcia on penalties yesterday and will not be promoted to the Segunda, but a lot of positives to take from this season. I mean, Ray Manaj is finally, it looks like he's finally found form. Yes, he missed a penalty, but he also got a brace. So he he, he had a good game. And I think players like Conrad de la Fuente uh, as well, very, very impressive. 
as usual. Um, so yeah, a lot of positives to take going into next season, whether that's whether you want to follow Barca B, whether you want to follow uh, Barca's first team or Barca Femini. I'm seeing questions here about Barca's futsal team. Um, we might actually try to cover that here on the podcast soon as well, um, just to kind of give you all fronts. Um, how much in depth will it go? I don't know yet because Barca Universe now the podcast just basically <laughs> <laughs> the Barca Cinematic Universe. Um, but yeah, no, we'll we'll try and give you a bit of heads ups on on that team as well. Um, uh, thank you for the suggestion, David Sanchez. Um, but yeah, I think on that note, I think we're pretty much uh, done for now. Of course, if you just tuned in, um, you can rewatch this on here on our YouTube channel, Dogonogram TV, and we'll also be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you've listened to it through there and you enjoyed this, do feel free to follow us or drop a, a rating. Um, subscribe, whatever the word is on that platform, because I know on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, I know you can drop a, a rating, one to five stars with a comment. So if you're enjoying this or if you absolutely hate this, please do let us know. Um, and as always, if you have any questions, you can always drop them here on the live chat when we are uh, going live. If you have any questions uh, that you want to make sure that we get in, um, but you don't have time to tune in, you can always send them to us on Twitter. Um, you can use the hashtag TDS live. Uh, so D driven shot live. And we'll deal with them as the, uh, as the show goes on. Uh, that was says, awesome, awesome show. Thank you guys. Thank you Thank very you, much for tuning in. And thank you so much for uh, enjoying this. Um, if you would like to support the Blogonogram brand, you can always buy some merchandise at the Blogonogram uh, shop. That's blogonogram.com slash shop. The link is uh, down below. And um, yeah, if you use the code TDS live, you get 15% off your next order as a thank you exclusively to our podcast listeners. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Follow us on our social media. You can see my name tag is there, and uh, Joao's name tag is right there. Um, and also all the links to everything that we do is down below in the description. Um, yeah, Joao, any last words? And also, uh, you've got a, we've got a Spanish podcast on the network too now, right? On the yep. Podcast Network. Yeah, it, it goes live in about uh, one hour and a half after this one. So every also every Monday, and that's one especially for uh, all the Spanish speakers or uh, whoever understands Spanish. And uh, basically, the podcast is more focused on uh, Barça Femini and uh, Barça B. So yeah, uh, normally I'm there analyzing alongside uh, Jean Barriage and Xavi, another editor. And well, they're both like uh, encyclopedias of those two uh, teams. <laughs> so if you really enjoyed, uh, please be sure to tune in. And well, yeah. especially today, it will be a, a special episode because, uh, well, of the Barça Femini win, obviously. So yeah, please sure to check it out. It's called uh, Blagranagam in Johan. Uh, in honor of the Stadium Johan Cruyff, in which uh, Barca B play, as well as Femini. So, um, yeah, please be sure to check it out. Yeah, yeah, um, we'd love to have you. So, yeah, I think that's it for this time. Uh, Joao, as always, thank you for uh, being alongside me. I've been Omar Hawat. He's been Joao Pedraza. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we go live every Monday at 4 p.m. Uh, Central European time. Um, and I was asking, what's that show? Um, that show is... As Joao said, it is a Spanish podcast covering Barca Femini and Barca B. It's called Blaugranagram and Johan, and it goes live on uh, Twitter too, on our YouTube channel that I can see you're watching through on Blaugranagram TV. So if you've got notifications on for any of those, you will not miss it. Um, and yeah, we've also got a Spanish Twitter account, so you can follow that if you want to. Link to that is also down in the description below. So 
yeah, uh, that should cover everything. And um, on that note, we'll see you next Monday. Thank you very much for tuning in. On that note, roll the outro by Phil Shane, and we'll see you next time. My name is Phil Shane, and you've been listening to The Driven Shot, hosted by Omar Hawash and the Blaugranogram News Outlet. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a wonderful day, and hopefully we'll see you again soon.